Lord, teach us to pray. Okay? When you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. We begin this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, with talk of heaven and holiness. We get partisan with our divine politics. We pray for the Lord's will to be done, for God's kingdom to come. We get down and dirty with talk of bread. And then the strange prayer becomes even stranger. Forgive us, Lord, as we forgive others. My friends and professors, former professors, Stanley Harawas and Will Willimon, claim that this part of the prayer is the hardest part to pray. And I think most of us would agree. It's all good and fine to, to hallow God's name. It's not even that hard to pray for God's will to be done. Who wouldn't like to have some daily bread? But then all of a sudden, this prayer takes a turn, and we're caught up in it. It's the part in the prayer where Jesus asks us to pray, not just by saying something, but by doing something. And the something we're asked to do is perhaps the hardest thing any of us will ever do. Forgive. Forgiveness is completely outrageous and absolutely ridiculous. It runs counter to everything the world ever teaches us. You can't just forgive someone that lets them get away with it. If you forgive, that means you're soft on sin. Forgiveness doesn't work. Forgiveness doesn't change people. There's something in us, some of us, I won't speak for all of us, but there's something in some of us that we believe people should get what they deserve. And whenever we read stories in Scripture, particularly stories from Jesus, like the parable of the prodigal or the parable of the publican and the Pharisee, even the story of Zacchaeus, we get a little offended because they deal with the strange realm of forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that many of us don't actually believe in, even though we pray for it all the time. Why is forgiveness so strange? Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to believe? Rodney King, after he was assaulted by the police many years ago, after uh, they went to trial, Rodney King said to all the police officers who beat him, I forgive you. It was on live television. He said, I forgive you for what you did. And then they cut to a reporter, and the first thing the reporter said after his pronouncement of forgiveness was, ladies and gentlemen, we understand that Rodney King suffered brain damage from the attack. As if his forgiveness was only possible because he had brain damage. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to believe? Have you ever tried to forgive someone? who did something unspeakable to you? Have you ever wronged someone so bad that you cut them out of your life rather than ask them for their forgiveness? Forgiveness is one of the hardest things that we can ever do. And it always comes at a cost, a steep cost. Forgiveness is foolish. Forgiveness is difficult. Forgiveness is painful. It hurts. It also happens to be the currency of God's kingdom. In other words, without forgiveness, none of this makes any sense. But notice, before there's any consideration for our forgiving other people, we are compelled by God to ask for forgiveness for ourselves. This prayer assumes that we all have need for forgiveness, that all of us have trespassed, that all of us have sinned, that all of us are somehow indebted to God. Now, perhaps you noticed, Charlotte read the scriptures, 
But Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our debts, whereas just a moment later we prayed, or before we prayed, forgive us our trespasses. There's a difference, of course, between those words. Different churches use different words for this prayer. Now, I, I personally <clears throat> don't know anyone who took out a loan from God's bank, so they're not necessarily in debt financially, except all of us are living on borrowed time. We've all been given the gift of life. We've been given the gift of this created world. And what do we have to show for it? Have you watched the news recently? You know what I gave up for Lent? Watching the news. You know why? Because I can't remember the last time I saw something on the news I could call good news. It's all bad. But the old Book of Common Prayer already knew this. There's a prayer in it that I love. It says, We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. We have done those things which we ought not to have done. And there is no health in us. I think that's right. I think it's right because when it comes to our relationship with God, we're all in the red. So much so that there's no amount of righteous prayers or righteous good works or anything else really that can tip the scales back in our favor. In fact, the only thing we can do when it comes to God is beg God to forgive us. But asking for forgiveness takes control away from us. And if there's anything we don't want to do, it's lose control. We don't like admitting that we've done things we shouldn't have done or we've avoided doing things we should have done. We all don't like asking for forgiveness. It's not fun. We don't want anyone, not even God, to have that kind of power over us. But being out of control is part of what it means to be a disciple. Remember, that's why we pray, let thy will be done, not my will be done. Prayer is a habit. It's a practice that helps us rediscover the joy of being out of control, of needing to rely on somebody else, the only one who can actually do something for us, and that's God. That's why we talk about being graced. Even in our sin, even in our worst choices or decisions, God refuses to abandon us. And not only that, God keeps seeking after us no matter how bad we fall, no matter what we do. So I say things, these three words, all the time. You are forgiven. I love saying those words because they're true. But even when I say it, it feels sometimes too easy. It feels cheap. You are forgiven. I think it's also hard to receive those words because we all know that we don't deserve it. And that's why it sounds too easy. But forgiveness is anything but easy. Consider the last time someone gave you an unexpected gift. Someone showed up perhaps with, with food or, or someone offered to, to buy your lunch when you went out or someone gave you a birthday gift. Chances are if it comes unexpectedly, instead of just enjoying the gift we've received, the first thing we think is, oh, darn it, I didn't get them anything. Now I owe them one. And instead of celebrating and rejoicing in the gift given, all we do is start to scheme about how we can tip the scales back in our favor. Oh, now we got to invite them over for dinner. But when it comes to our relationship with God, we can't tip the scales back. The only person who can fix our relationship with God is God, which is, of course, why we call the gospel the gospel. It's good news. Have you ever noticed how often Jesus just forgives people? without them ever even really asking for it. This is a great story in Scripture. I love this story. Jesus is 
He's amassed a crowd. He's at this house, and there's some friends in the village, and they've got a paralyzed friend. And they say, oh, I think Jesus can help this guy. And they pick up their paralyzed friend. They drag him all the way to Jesus, but there's too big of a crowd. They can't get there. So they hoist him up on the roof. They travel across, and they find some shovels on the roof. Who puts shovels on the roof? Anyway, they dig through the ceiling. They lower their friends to this friend of Jesus, their paralyzed friend. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Who said anything about sins? The guy's paralyzed. He doesn't need to be forgiven. He needs to walk. What does forgiveness have to do with it? Apparently everything. Because the man does walk, but only after forgiveness. It's in God's nature to forgive, and not just through Christ. All of the scriptures are full to the brim with stories of God's unrelenting forgiveness. We as a people turn away from God, and God continues after us, God remains steadfast. So you read scripture, you hear these stories, you sing these songs, and you know that you can pray to the Lord to forgive because even at the cross, it's the last thing God says. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. I think it's a joy to know that we can pray, Lord, forgive us our trespasses. And I think most of us would be happy if at this point in the prayer we just jumped ahead to and lead us not into temptation. But no, Jesus says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. It's great. Jesus is in the middle of a lesson one afternoon and St. Peter raises his hand. Jesus says, yes, Pete, what's on your mind? He says, uh, Lord, you've been using that F word a lot recently, and I'm a little concerned about it. Um, I'd like some clarity on the issue. How many times do we have to forgive? Is seven enough? Is that sufficient? And Jesus says, well, Pete, I, I don't know how good your algebra is, but I'll tell you 70 times seven times. Well, hey, forget the math. How about this? You never stop forgiving. Peter says, well, Lord, if that's the case, then we're going to go to our graves forgiving people. And Jesus says, indeed, you will. And that's when all the other disciples chime in. They say, Lord, increase our faith. What you're asking is too much. Not when Jesus says, go the extra mile. Not when Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Not when Jesus says, pray for your enemies. Not when Jesus says, feed the hungry. Not when Jesus says, clothe the naked. It's when he says, forgive. The disciples say, all right, you've gone too far. Can't do it. Increase our faith. And then Jesus does what Jesus does best. He tells a story. There's a king. And the king wants to settle accounts with his slaves, and so he calls them one by one. And he has the great ledger keeper read off their debts, some owe little, some owe a lot. And there's one slave who owes 10,000 talents. Now, we don't deal in talents anymore. One talent was worth 6,000 denarii. One denarii is what you would get paid after one day of hard work. So one talent is worth 6,000 days of work. And this guy owes 10,000 of those, again, for your math whizzes out there. That's 60 million days of work that the slave owes the king. Which immediately begs all sorts of questions. Like, what kind of king is this king? What kind of kingdom is he operating here? You don't let a slave run up that kind of debt in your kingdom. Otherwise, the kingdom falls apart. This slave owes 60 million days 
worth of labor. He says, Lord, uh, king, please forgive me. I promise I'll pay it all back. He knows he can't pay it back. The king knows he can't pay it back. Everyone in the kingdom knows he can't pay it back. But the king, Jesus says, is moved by mercy. And he says to the slave, all is forgiven. And the slave bebops out of that throne room. He starts dancing in the streets because he's just experienced the impossible. He's living on cloud nine. He's so happy and he sees his friend. He sees John Shockley and says, hey, John, remember that $50 I loaned you? Guess what? You can keep it. I've tasted grace. Nothing between us anymore. Now that would be a good story. But it wouldn't be a parable. Not one from Jesus. Because Jesus says, the slave is bebopping around. He encounters someone who owes him 50 bucks. And he says, ah, oh, where's my money? The king catches word. Everybody catches word. And he gets dragged back to the throne room. And the king says, you big, dumb nincompoop. That's the Greek, by the way. I've translated it for you. What's wrong with you? I have forgiven something you could never pay back. And you're holding this out on someone else. He says to his workers, throw him in the dungeon. Torture him until he pays. I'm giving you the debt back. Torture him until he pays it all. How do you pay back a debt when you're getting tortured? I don't know. Seems to me that Jesus tells a story to remind us that when we don't forgive, we make our lives torture. We make our lives hell. It's one thing to pray, forgive us our trespasses. It's another thing entirely to say, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgiveness comes at a cost. It isn't cheap. It isn't easy. The hurt that we experience, the hurt we do to others is consequential. So when Jesus teaches us to pray, he's not just saying that we should shrug things off as if they don't mean anything. Instead, it's that Jesus, through life, death, and resurrection, refuses to let sin be the first and the last word when it comes to us. Instead, the first and the last word is forgiveness. If you've ever been forgiven by someone, someone you wronged, you know that indescribable feeling of freedom. The gift that you don't deserve. If, if you've ever wronged someone and they forgive you, you know the difference it can make. If you've ever forgiven someone who wronged you, you know how hard it is to do, but you also know the feeling of that chain that's been wrapped around your life being broken. But forgiveness isn't natural. Were we left to our own devices, we would never forgive anyone we have to be taught to forgive. We have to share stories of forgiveness that others might know it's actually possible. Discipleship, it requires training and a community who can support us in our willingness to forgive and be forgiven. That, of course, after all, is why we have to pray for it. We need God's help in the business of forgiveness because we can't do it on our own. I love gathering in worship. And I love getting to say these words. At the right time, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. 
you. And because you are forgiven, you can forgive others. It will not be easy. I assure you, it will not be easy. But nothing important ever is. And so I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, now and forever. Amen.